really stuck out and guided me in some things. And so next week we're going to probably be uh, four weeks into Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. You say, wow, how can you do four weeks in there? Because that is power-packed. And if I were you, I would start reading that and thinking about how can this help me in my life? Because I'm convinced Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9 are a key for us to deal with a lot of things going on in our lives. And so we're going to look at that. I kind of divided it up because they're kind of, it's a power-packed section of Scripture. And so uh, anyway, we'll be starting that next week. Um, so now we're in Jude. And a lot of us, in, I think if you were to summarize Jude, and again on Wednesday nights, I'd love you to come because we kind of go over what we've studied. And I think you've seen from Jude 25 verses. It's like really packed with some deep stuff. And if I had to summarize Jude, it's the fact of look out for false teachers in the church and that they're going to be more increasing. And I think that was pertinent for us today. A lot of us are familiar with these two last verses that we're going to cover um, because it's a great thing that is a lot of times used to end uh, services or to uh, as a blessing or different things like that. So I entitled the sermon... Abel, and I thank you, Dan, for uh, that song that goes with that. And looking at the fact that some of us now, as we get a little bit older, we may not want to admit that we're not able to do everything. Um, I hurt my knee a a while back, and I'm dealing with how to deal with that. And I know everybody else is old, but I'm not. And but I'm not trying to be gross, but I am thankful for bathrooms that have a grab bar. Okay, okay, I never had to use the grab bar, but, you know, and then my little dog that's a, a puppy, you know, he like, we're working on him not jumping up on you when he sees you, and he just happened to hit the back of my knee coming at me, and I stood up and everything, but I could have saw myself go do a face plant. But, you know, starting to ask the question as you get older, it's like, am I able to do that? Should I do that? Okay, that's just talking about old age and strength, and I know when you're young, you're invincible, but one day. Um, But let's talk about the fact of feeling able to meet our finances, feeling able to meet our commitment, feeling able to live this life in a very increasingly insecure world. I'm not trying to create any more fear because James was dealing with this back then, and if you study the Roman Empire and what Christians were going through, they were in just an unsecure world, and they still had to make the choice, asking the question, is God enough? Is he able for you today to be with you and help you through whatever you're going through? And I keep hitting the 23rd Psalm because it gets a bad rap. We just use it at funerals. But if you read the whole thing, it shows that God is able through every part of our life. So we're asking the question in an unsecure world where it's like, can I trust this? Can I trust my own strength? Can I trust my bank account? Can I trust my family, my friends, all these things? And we struggle to feel if something is able to handle this or secure in this. And so we can choose to find our security and our strength in the things of the world, which are shifting sands. Well, this seems pretty solid, and suddenly interest rates go up. This seems pretty solid, and suddenly the job goes away. Of course, now we're dealing with the fact there's plenty of jobs. We need people to work them, but even people with businesses are dealing with the fact they don't have enough people to have that business when they were able to do that before. 
shifting sands. What can I find security on? Where can I stand? Or we can choose the solid rock, Jesus Christ, that he is able. And your action step today is no, he is able. And I want to ask you the question, do you believe God is able to handle anything that you're going through? You might say the Sunday school answer, yes, but let's get real. A lot of you are going through different things that you may never mention, but you need God to handle those things. And so today we're going to look at this last part to know we are saved by grace, we are secure in God, to know the power of God. He, he is the only true God that can save us, that can secure us, to know that we can walk in security with God and in His power and in His protection. I'm very careful about this because if you look at one uh, uh, you can see the security of the believer, and that's a doctrine statement that we'll probably, after the first of the year, we're going to look at the things we believe and what the Bible says about that. And as Baptists, we believe in the security of the believer, and, and it's been called once saved, always saved, and I like using the version, when you're saved, you're saved. Okay? And the, I didn't grow up a Southern Baptist. I'm a Christian, and we're all Christians, and I'm a Baptist, and I know why. And But I grew up always doubting my salvation. Oh, if I mess up here, then I'm going to go to hell because I wasn't clean enough or whatever. If it takes God to save me, it's going to take him to keep me. But the problems I am, I am are a Baptist, so I can talk about it. It's the problem I have with Baptists. We're cheap grace. Get your fire insurance. Go do what you want. Really? Because he gave his son for us. And it was a costly, it was a blood ransom. And so that's what always bothered me. If you love somebody, you're not going to go out there and trample over that love. And so when you're saved, you're saved. And so we can be away from God, but I think sometimes people have been sold a cheap gospel, Christ plus, or I'll do whatever. And, and we're not saved by works. Ephesians tells us that uh, clearly. But some people just are like, you know, I know you've saved me, God, but I'm not going to fall in love with you more, so I'm just going to keep trampling over what you've done. And again, I'm going to be really clear. We are not saved by works. We can't keep ourselves cleaned up. I'm a man in need of a Savior every day. But I think if somebody has that kind of attitude, I need to ask the question, did you ever meet Christ? Because it is a costly grace. And so this section of scripture deals with we can be secure and know that God is able to keep us to the end. And so your points are going to spell out the word able. And in these two verses, we see four biblical reasons to believe that God is able enough to take care of us. So let's read this. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Chew on that this week. Think about what God is able to do. Go back to verse 24 and the, and the first part of that. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. We can live secure because of what he can do. He is able. God has the power to keep us from falling. Not talking about physically falling, but spiritually falling. Because think about this. Uh, it, when you're saved, you're saved. So the next plan Satan has, and I go back to the statistic that's still bothering me, that 95% of Southern Baptists have never shared the gospel. Why Jesus is precious to them. We need to chew on that. Because that means Satan's second strategy is working. 
He wants to keep you benched. He wants to keep you quiet. He doesn't want you to listen to the Holy Spirit because when the Holy Spirit says, hey, this person is wide open, you need to talk to them and show them I'm the way that we keep silent. He doesn't want you to talk to God and pray because it's a powerful thing. But the next thing he wants you to do is to run your witness. You're never going to see anything perfect here. But when I am wrong or do something, I hope that I make it right. And I don't have to be a mind reader. I am not called to read your mind. And you are not called to read my mind. But when God lays something on my heart that I've done wrong, I need to deal with it. And if something's, and you go to Matthew 18, if something's so bad that it's bothering you and keeping from a relationship from growing, then you need to go to that person. And, and he lays it out in Matthew 18 how believers are to deal with disagreements. But none of us are called to be mind readers. But Satan's strategy is I've got to get them to fall. I've got to get them to stumble. I've got to look at maybe the temptations their families have dealt with that are common in their family and I've got to lead them towards that and get them to where they're benched where they don't one are dealing with this addiction or dealing with this thing that they've fallen or leave them in this guilt so they don't deal with forgiveness so they can go forward and share the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ notice what he says here God is able to keep us from falling problem is, is we want to go in areas where we're going to fall. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation that's such as common man, but with every temptation, he'll provide the way to escape. Problem is, is we don't take that way sometimes, but he's able to keep you from stumbling. And boy, Satan is trying to get us to stumble. Not against any electronics. I'm not against, these are just neutral tools, but boy, if you do not stay aware, you could stumble on your phone, you could stumble on the internet into stuff that is pretty bad. You've got to prepare. You've got to not be there. You have to set up boundaries and, and, and pray to God, help me. And he will keep you from stumbling. He is able. Romans 16.25 says this, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to, your, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that is kept secret for long ages. And what he's saying, so you can go to Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In Romans 16.25, he's saying God is able to strengthen you. So how is he able? To give you the strength to walk with him, to go the right way, to avoid the temptations. Ephesians 3.20, I love that. Uh, It says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Need to remember those. He is going to be able to do way more than you can do in your own strength. And what is the power that's in us? If you've you've received Christ, you've received the Holy Spirit. And you need to... The Holy Spirit is a full member of the Trinity. We do not serve three gods. They are three in one. I'm Russell. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a husband. But I'm just Russell. Okay, and God, we serve one God, but we have three aspects of God, and the Holy Spirit is the one that was left behind, the Comforter. And when you receive Christ, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So you need to learn to tap in. It's okay to pray to the Holy Spirit. Give me the power to resist this, to not fall, to not go that way. So Ephesians 3.20, awesome. But he also gives us the power. Notice the next part. He says here, now he's able to do what? To keep us from stumbling. To watch out for us. The problem is, we think we know better, 
And you know when you tried to help somebody, hey, there's a hoe in the yard and, and, and it's dark, so you might watch out for that. Or if it's an older person, sometimes with my mom, you know, I want to I, I wanna grab, now it's both of us falling or whatever, but, but, but uh, that wasn't that funny. Okay, but, anyway, but, but I'll walk with her because I don't want her to fall. And this is what he's saying here. He wants to, he's watching out for us. Don't you think God knows the traps that Satan is putting out there? He's able to keep us to watch for us from falling. John 17, 12 says this, While I was with them, I kept them in your name. This is Jesus talking, talking about the disciples, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. He was talking about that the scripture might be fulfilled. This is Jesus in John 17, 12, talking about the apostles. So do you think Jesus stopped guarding and keeping and watching out for just the apostles? Do you not think he watches out for us? I'm trying to build here that we need to get in our mind that God is able to keep us from stumbling. Because those of you that are old enough, you know Flip Wilson, he always said when he did something wrong, the devil made me do it. That's, not, that's an excuse. Devil may lead you there, show you something flashy, but you made the choice. We need to realize, God, you said you're able. Get me out of this. And when he gives you an opportunity, don't go further. Well, let's push him. You know, your guardian angel's worn out, okay, because you just keep pushing. There's going to be a point, because God gave you free will, that he said, okay, I'm turning you over to that. School of hard knocks. And sometimes you'll pay for it in your body and in your time. And the devil, you stumbled and you're laying there. He's able. Notice, to keep us from, st- from falling, from stumbling. And notice the next thing he says here in verse 24. So why is he he's able to keep us from falling, but where are we heading towards? And notice how he's doing. And to present you blameless before the presence of his, his glory with great joy. So what is the goal here? He is wanting to present us, to establish us to, in our standing in Christ. So the, the end game is this. God is able to keep us from falling into this stuff. And his goal is to, prevent, to present us as one that is established and standing in Christ. That's the goal. Colossians 1.22 says this, He is now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before Him. I want want to be really clear about this. I really try, because we get hung up on, well, I'm not perfect. Well, yes, we're not perfect. But we need to be Christ-like. We need to be dealing with our stuff, short accounts. When God presents something uh, that we're doing wrong, we need to confess it and forsake it, whether it's an issue with God or issue with man. We need to keep short accounts and deal with it then. But he, what, when we get to heaven, or even us talking to God right now, because we know in Hebrews uh, 4.16 we can go boldly before the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in our time of need. The reason we can go boldly before the throne of grace is because our righteousness is as filthy rags. And those of you who are picky and you're looking at white or off-white or dust-white or whatever that white is, you know, and I still see some of you wearing white pants today and you're scaring me because I need to get some stains and get it right on you or whatever. Okay, but, you know, there's no true white. And so now let's look at the fact of this. Um, we come before God and our righteousness is as filthy rags. 
When you receive Christ, what God sees is Christ. What God sees is Christ's payment. That is why we can be blameless, because Christ was blameless. Because Christ holy is being set apart. He's, He's able to keep us from falling and following His path. And when we follow His path, we're set apart and we're holy. Again, not perfect. Set apart, sanctified, holy. But some of us like to do fast and loose. I'll do my own thing and God will let you, but you're being useless for the kingdom of God. And what are you pointing to? You're pointing to yourself. You're not pointing to God. But He's able to present us holy and blameless and above reproach. Your first fill-in. We can know He is able to keep us standing. I want you to think about that next time you're tempted. Again, He provides a way for you to escape and so many times, oh, I think I'm going to push the envelope. Are you really trying to get me to get out of here, God? And there'll be a point like, Okay, there you go. Let's see what happens. I'm thankful that we have a, we all want free will and we all want our choices, but when God's trying to help us to get out of stuff that's going to hurt us, we just kind of barrel on through. He's able to keep you standing. So the next thing, standing in what condition? Look at the last part. Again, we're going to focus back on that. 24, before the presence of His glory with great joy. Um, So blameless, faultless, pure. Ephesians 5.27 says this, so that you may present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now that is God, that is Jesus, he wants to present because he he is the bridegroom, we are the bride, and nobody, no bride wants their wedding dress messed up. Usually the tradition is that the wedding dress is is white for purity and and dealing with virginity and all those things. And so usually a lot of wedding dresses are white. And so no bride wants, talking about the little kid again with the messy fingers coming at him, you know, hey, get that kid, trip him. get uh, Yeah, I trip kids, not really. But you know what I'm saying, again, two weeks in a row, he's keeping away from the kids. He can't watch kids. He's going to trip them. Okay, but, but here's the deal. Jesus wants to present us pure. And then I go back to the under-shepherd, which is who I am. If I don't present the word correctly to you, if I don't try to do the office of the elder that we try to, hey, this is what God's word says, this is what is right, and again, next at the, after the beginning of next year, we're going to look at that. But my job is to make sure you're the bride. Those that know Christ are the bride of Christ. My job is that I didn't make your dress worse than when it started and that you're ready for the bridegroom and that I don't stain it with the things of the world. We've been talking about false teachers for weeks and Jude and those false teachers follow their own desires. They don't follow God and so the culture and the stains of the world are all over that beautiful bride. Jesus is able to present you without blemish in splendor and holy. And so blameless. Isn't that awesome? And where is he presenting you to? Before the presence of God, before the glory of God. And how does he feel about that? Oh, I brought them here. They were really difficult. Man, they barely got here and they were a pain in the butt. Okay, pause there. All right, but they're here. No, guess what? Jesus is glad about you. Jesus is joyous about you. Here they are. Wonderful. Isn't that great? We, 
And we see in Jude, especially last week and the last few weeks, God, we're dear to him. We're his beloved. And so he's happy that, look, they're here and they're blameless through my blood and, 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 and through the sacrifice and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm glad about it. God is, loves us and he's glad about us. And he's able to keep us from falling. He's able to keep us blameful, uh, blameless. And he keeps us joyful that God loves us and he's happy about us. Keep us from stumbling, keep us from uh, falling. So your next film, we know he is able to keep us blameless. Now, I want to be really careful about this. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm blameless. You know, uh, Brother Ratha, it's all okay. All my sins are washed away. What about that Piggly Wiggly? It doesn't matter anymore. uh, Some of you got it, and Alan's going downtown and Rita's elbowing him right now. So anyway, but we're going to be really careful about that. It doesn't mean I got this get-out-of-jail-free card. Again, we ask the question of purity here. If you're just like, well, I'm going to do whatever I want, if you love Jesus Christ, why would you? Are, are you a baby Christian? Did you ever meet him? Are you in love with him? Because when you love somebody, and we talk about spouses that have been married for a long period of time, a lot of spouses do stuff they normally wouldn't do with anybody else because they love that person. He, that blameless doesn't mean i got to get out of jail free card and do whatever I want right now. And you can, but I would question how mature of a Christian are you or whether you are a Christian. But he's able to present you blameless. I've said this before. I'll say it continually. The only reason, when I get to heaven, why are you here, Jesus, period. I don't care what I've done or how I've helped people. Big deal. Jesus. Blameless. This blameless status is given to us. Look, it gives us, like he said, great joy. Uh, we're, why, we know that God is in great joy and he loves us, but why should we be in great joy? Because we are secure in the power of God. We're preserved by it. We're protected. We're secure in the promise of God uh, that, that we are going to see his glory. So you see what I'm saying here? Yes, times are hard and we're dealing with different things, whether physically, financially, or whatever. But why does he continually say, and as we get in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, it's not about being happy. Happiness is fleeting. But it's the fact that we know that this is not all there is, that I'm saved and secure in Christ, that he, I am beloved by Christ, that he loves me. And that he says here at the end that I am blameless and I get to enter his glory and his presence. That's something to be joyful about. Now he goes into four attributes. So he talks about that, and that's going to switch here in 25. He's going to go into four attributes of God that we need to recognize and we need to magnify. So if we're joyful that we're saved and secure and, and, and God is able to keep us, then that should lead us to praise who? Praise God. And so we're going to see here in 25 four aspects of praising God. Verse 25 says this, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be majesty, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Go back to the first part of 25 there. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we see the recipient of who should be praised. Notice this, the only God. When Moses was meeting God and, and the burning bush, and, he, and, and God told him he wanted to go to rescue the Israelites, and 
he said, who do I tell them you are? And he says, tell them I am sent you. And you might say, well, man, is, is God just being funny there? No. God is God, period. The great I am. And he is the only God. And there are not 50,000 ways to God. Let's go there. I say this verse about every week. Why? Because it's very pertinent. John 14, 6, Jesus said. Notice this. Jesus said. Either he's a liar or a lunatic or he told the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We want to stop there. But he continues to go, no man comes to the Father but through me. Christians, if you're going to know that God is able, you need to decide right now that he is the only way and he is the only God. There are no other gods. This is not Russell saying it. This is Jesus saying it. And either Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or he told the truth. He's the only God. That means your family isn't God. Your job is not God. Your money's not God. And guess what? This is going to be a uh, bust your mind, but you're not God either. You say, well, I never thought I was God. I don't, can't shoot lightning out of my fingers or whatever. But every time you decide to do your own thing, you're trying to be God of your life. Every time you don't put God first, the God of the Bible, the only God, you're worshiping an idol. Well, I'm not cutting chicken heads off and I'm not worshiping statues. An idol is anything you put before God. Person, job, money, yourself. And so he starts with, this is the only God. 1 Timothy 1.17 says that the king of, of the ages, immortal, invincible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Notice what he says, the king of, of, of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Notice, so he's the only God, but what did this only God do? He saved us, our Savior. He delivered us from our sin. How did he do it? Through Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the way. And who should Jesus be? We, we talk about this when we receive Christ. I asked Jesus into my heart to be my Savior, and now I'm going to follow him as my Lord. Not because he says, you're going to follow me now. It's like we've got to understand. I was talking to Heather the other day. I wish sheep had taken off in America because um, in a lot of other countries, you know, you have ground beef and you can have ground uh, lamb and all this kind of stuff. And that's just because I like England and all this kind of stuff. And I watch the Great British Baking Show. I'm not trying to put a plug in for that. But anyway, you know, I wish that was more common and didn't and cost that much. But here's the deal. We don't understand sheep in America that well. And sheep are helpless, and God consistently does use no other example for Christians other than calling them sheep. And so this is why you need to make him Lord and the shepherd of your life. This is why you need to be in the Word. This is why you need to be in church, to let God guide you. Because on our own, man, sheep cannot survive on our own, on their own. And so this is why, thank you for saving me, God, now you are my master. Guide me. Going back to the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because he is able. Romans 11.36 says this, For from him and through him and to him all are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. For from him, through him, Jesus Christ saved us, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. He is the great I am. That is why he deserves all of our praise. And we'll get into that in a minute. So then we see, uh, 
we see here that God is sovereign. We see that He is the Savior. And, and we are secure in this power that He is in control and He can save us and He can keep us. So now let's look at the praise part. If God is the one, if God is the ultimate, the only God, the only Savior, the only one that should be Lord, then what kind of praise do we need to give Him? And so we see that He is the recipient of praise. Now let's look at the content of praise. So be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Notice he says here, it doesn't say necessarily here, but all glory, all of heaven should point to him, that he, is in char- that he deserves all honor. In other words, a lot of times we take honor for things that we really need to give God the honor. We are created. He is the creator. The things we make, we're recreating. We're not creating anything new. And so we need to give him all honor, give all glory. And so many times we don't give God the glory, but all majesty. So I'm going to honor God. I'm going to give him all the honor, but now I need to give that he is the greatest. There is no one above him. There is no other options. I'm telling you right now, let's get real. You need to wrestle with John 14, 6, because... All the other ones in the false religions didn't say they were the only way, most of them. But Jesus clearly said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but through me. You need to wrestle with that and decide, is he the greatest? Does he deserve all majesty? So he deserves all honor. He deserves any that he is the greatest. And he, he, deserves, he has all dominion, all the power. Let's put it together. He's the one and only God. So therefore, we need to honor him because everything comes from him. He is, he, is, he is all majesty. He is the greatest that there is. And he is all powerful. There is none more powerful than him. So let's add that all up. All honor goes to him. All greatness goes to him. He has all power. So that means if he's got all the power, guess what? He's got all the authority. We need to flesh this out to understand why is God able? God is able because there's no one above him. We need to praise his glory. And, 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 and in your prayer time, in your application this week, you need to honor him by praising him that, God, there is no one above you. You are the greatest and you are the most powerful and I surrender to your authority. And, God, I'm struggling with this and I know that you're able, so I lay it before your feet. See how that works? The glory is his radiance. The majesty is his greatness. The dominion is his sovereign rule over all. And his authority is the power to do it. All these qualities are grounds to praise God. And so your your next feeling, because he is able, he is worthy to be the Lord of all praise. We We need to just really get in the spiritual habit of giving God all the glory. You say, well, pastor, I do. It's not to be showy and it's not to be fake. And a lot of times some of us draw the line on I'm going to pray and thank God for this food and all that kind of stuff. None of that's bad. But how many times throughout the day, it's not about being fake, but maybe verbally you thank God and it's not to be showy, but who cares if anybody's around? And it's really the heart attitude of when I know God showed up and when I know he took care of that, and in the big things and in the little things, the Lord of all praise. In other words, he deserves all of our praise. 
And how many times, and I'm not saying you don't praise people and you don't encourage people, but if the original sin is sin of self, making yourself God, making yourself your own idol, I think people are getting encouraged and praised a little too much. God, thank you for health. God, thank you for this job. God, thank you for my family. Count your blessings, especially during a time of thanksgiving. Name them one by one. The Lord of all our praise. So how much and how long do we do that? <laughs> ah, at least do it till the end of lunch today, right? No. Look at the last part of verse 25. Before all time and now and forever, amen. The duration of praise. Now and forever, amen, for sure, this is real, do it. He is able, he is worthy of our praise forever. So your last fill and guess how long you praise him eternally. And let's get real. I need to read Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. Heather's read it. It's supposed to be really good. Randy Alcorn, if, if, he, he is able to take facts and scripture and really do a good job. But I think we've been sold a bad a sell of goods on what we think of heaven because we think of it's just going to be, and I know praising and worshiping God is good, okay? We're going to enjoy it. But we need to think of all the things we enjoy here that God has provided. I don't think heaven is going to be boring at all. I think it's going to be 3D, and we're in, a, and, and Paul says we're in a shadow, and we see dimly. C.S. Lewis says right now we're in the shadow lands. We're just seeing a shadow, a reflection of real life. So I think when we, I'm going to be sitting around, and we're just going to be sitting in pews and praising God all day long, and half of us, no offense, it's not about the singing, it's not about that. Like, really? That's all heaven's going to be? We're going to have the real heaven. We're going to have the real earth. We're not going to struggle with sin. We're going to be in total communion with God. I think praise is going to come naturally. So what are we waiting on? Praise him for the good things, whether it's hunting, fishing, whatever you're into. God, thank you that I can enjoy this. Thank you that I physically have the ability to do this. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. How long will we praise him? Forever, and it's not going to be boring, and we're just going to love it, and it's going to be great. So what are we doing right now? Everybody here right now is probably dealing with something, and you're saying in your mind, one way or another, we're not asking God to help us because we're, we're tough Americans. We can handle it ourselves. Build a bridge and get over that one. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He, Paul says when I'm weak, he is strong. And so what is it going on in your life right now that you're basically saying, I don't think God's able to handle that? Or you're not saying it. Your actions are saying it. Or you're saying, I'll do it. You're like this little two-year-old that shouldn't be doing what it's doing, but they say, I can do it. And God's like, okay, I'll let you do it, but you're going to mess it up, and it could hurt you because he gives us free will. What is going on in your life right now that you're not trusting God to be able to do it? We're going to have a time of invitation here in a few moments. And we're going to have an altar here, and you can pray. I'll pray with you, whatever you need to do. You, it may be this week, God, I... I have tried to do this myself. I have tried to stand on my own. And you're going to have to do it. Give it to him. What are, what are, is the devil keeping you on the bench because you've asked God's forgiveness, but he keeps reminding you? 
You know what? Romans 8.31 says, Now there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You need to remind him where he's going and don't talk to him, but go forward. God says he's cast all your sins as far as the east is from the west because you can walk east forever and never end up in another direction. You can walk west forever and you're still going west. You see what I mean? If you've dealt with the God, he remembers it no more. You're blameless. I don't try to talk to Satan. That's worthless. But Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so you need to realize, I'm saved. I've dealt with that. I'm blameless in God's eyes. And so what about your praise? Maybe you need to work on that. Count your blessings. That this week it's like, hey, every time I see something God has done, I'm going to thank him. As we stand on our feet and have a time of uh, invitation, do you know that God is able to handle